welcome to Joe Talks Comics. This is the podcast where I talk with friends about the comics I've been reading and enjoying lately, plus occasional sell episodes and creative interviews. This week we've got a really fun Kickstarter conversation for you here. I know we've had another burst of those over the past month or so, so it's been really fun to talk again to all these awesome creators trying to just promote their Kickstarters and get them funded. So many cool ideas and comics out there for you to check out. So yeah, I hope you do. It, it was really nice to talk to Todd. Todd Black about his Kickstarter the Tokyo Blade Detectives. It's a great series, very entertaining, exciting when I got to read it earlier today. Recording this on the Saturday, it'll be going up on the Monday if you're listening to this on the day it comes out. So it should have about a week or so left the campaign. So I hope you go support it and check it out because it definitely deserves it. We do talk a bit generally at the start. But then we sort of eventually get into the you know, the comic itself and provide like a synopsis. And then, yeah, it was just a, a genuinely really great conversation. And I'm glad that Todd was able to come on when they reached out to me, as I say in the beginning, which is always fun. So, yeah, apart from that, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and I'll see you on the other side, as always. So Todd, welcome to the podcast. It's glad well, I'm glad to have you here. Happy to be here, Joe. I started out saying sometimes I say like, oh, it's good to have you here, and sometimes I say I'm glad to have you here. But this time I ended up with like a weird combination of both. <laughs> We've all had those days. Don't worry about it, Joe. Yeah. So yeah, welcome to the podcast. As I already sort of mentioned, it, it was really fun when you reached out and were like, oh, that that looks fun. Can I come on the podcast? Which is really awesome that you did that so i was really glad you did that because when i looked at your comic i was like oh yeah this looks really cool this looks fun so i'm glad i got to check it out and i'm glad we're getting to talk yeah i'm always looking for uh, new places to go on to talk about my comics and you clearly like comics because that's the name of your podcast joe talks comics so it felt like a match made in heaven comic heaven yeah so to start get, to, start to get into it do you want to introduce yourself and anything you, you want to say to begin with well, my name is Todd Black, and I am a indie comic writer. I've been writing comics for about eight years and have over 40 comics and five novels published under my name. Uh, I've written for all sorts of genres. I've written superheroes. I've written sci-fi fantasy. I've written Disney Pixar style. I've written uh, science education comics, mystery novels, and the one we're talking about today, an anime-style comic called Tokyo Blade Detectives. I love all these comics dearly, and I'm going to keep writing books until I have no more ideas in my head, which is not going to be happening for the foreseeable future. I mean, that's the dream, right? I suppose it's just being able to have any option to keep on writing as for as long as you want. Yeah, my biggest problem is that I keep coming up with new ideas. So I'll be like, I'll be like, I'll, like right now I'm in the middle of trying to make two different comics. And then a couple months ago, I came up with this idea for a new mystery comic that was different than I had done before. And I'm like, oh, I want to get started on this. And I'm like, it's like, wait a minute, do I have the money <laughs> to start making this? And then I, I was watching an anime last month and all of a sudden I had another idea come into my head. I'm like, stop it. I don't have time. I don't have money and I don't have all the people to make all this. So. I've got like I got a literal queue in my head of all the ideas I still need to make, but I'll get to them eventually. Yeah, I love that. That that's always seems to be such a like common. It, it's weird because I, I want to say problem because it, it's kind of a problem, but it's uh, like in some ways it's a nice problem to have, and but also 
yeah, there's like a double-edged sword is maybe the phrase I'm looking for. Yeah, it's... It is a good problem to have because you know you you don't want to be that writer who's like who had that one great idea and then you can't think of another one. Um, but for me, it's it's I have just have too many. And even with Tokyo, we'll talk about in a bit. I, I had to put that comic on hold for like two years because I was working on other series that I knew I needed to get done first. That was just how it had to go. So I, I'm not afraid to wait, and I have to sometimes wait for like the right artists and people to line up. But uh, it is one where I'm like, I want to get to these like as soon as possible because I, I want to see how these turn out. You know, I want to hold them in my hand to say, yes, this is my latest work. I did it. So, but I, I will wait and I will endure. Yeah, because I mean, that, that, that's something that I found sort of interesting notable about Tokyo Blake Detectors, looking at like, the release dates of all the issues and seeing how the, the first arc, the first four issues was sort of like a few months between them, which sort of makes sense. But then there was a bit more of an extended gap before the the start of the the second arc, was there any when you were like going back to like other things and sort of going through other things and working through them before you could go back to it? Were, did you have any sort of trouble returning to the world of Tokyo Blade Detectives, or did you sort of sink back into it quite easily or relatively for me, easily? For me, the problem no, that wasn't really a problem, but uh, if if you didn't if you can tell the uh, the first volume was every issue of Tokyo Blade Detectives is funded on Kickstarter, so yeah. So I, I I don't want to say I'm at the mercy of Kickstarter because that's not accurate to what's happening. But after doing four Kickstarters in about a year or so, I was just tired. <laughs> and I wanted to focus on I some bet, other yeah. projects that I had at the time, like some novels I was trying to get done and such. And so, and I just wanted to let it breathe because especially at the time, we had just gotten into the pandemic and so that was another mm. factor. It's like I don't want to be asking people for money when you know the pandemic is you know ripping our bank accounts to shreds, and for various reasons. So that that factored into it too. But I I just wanted to have some time to like sell volume one, build up the fan base a little bit, and then when we launched number five about a year or so later, I made sure that the goal was smaller so that uh, it could uh, help people who wanted to still support it and we did we actually did surprisingly well and uh six was also pretty good seven is doing all right so far but i don't mind taking gaps because it allows me to focus on other projects and then sell the uh the volume versions at comic cons which they're they've been very popular so far and so uh issue seven is the third of the four uh three of four for the volume two so i'll have one more kickstarter later in the year for number eight and then once that's done i'll make the uh volume two and then spend like a year selling it at cons and then after that we'll go into volume three just to you know give me some time to work on some other projects i want to do yeah and that was the the cool thing the other day still looking back through all the the notes i guess for, for the kickstarter the campaign notes and, and seeing those updates like the ones back in like for the earlier issues when like 2020 and even into 2021 with issue four where you still like try and make it clear to people there's like you just don't feel bad at all about and like supporting just like try and support whatever you can if you're interested or um and I, I think that is sort of an important and notable thing to because some people like do if they really like the comic and do want to support you they might feel that pressure or, or that FOMO, especially on a Kickstarter when it's not always going to be necessarily available. So I, I think it hurts to like, emphasize that, especially at, at, at that time and, and still at this time at the moment. Yeah, and, and 
don't let anyone fool you. No matter how successful your a Kickstarter can be, it is so stressful. Yeah. <laughs> like like right now, as I'm talking to you, we're about in the final ten days ish of the Kickstarter, and I'm fully funded, and so I should be like over the moon. But because I'm a creator and I always want what's best for the comic and for me, I'm being greedy as heck, and I'm like, no, I want more. I want more backers. I want more money. I want you know, blah 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 blah. And it that weighs on me when I'm like I go like a day or two without a backer and I'm like how how is this not getting more backers? Because <laughs> you're wondering if you're promoting right if you're if you're just not if your core fan base just hasn't seen it. Uh, you know, there's, there's all these pressures and stressors that you have to go through. But you know, I am happy that I am funded at the time of this recording, and uh, we're almost to 60 backers, which is really nice. So I'm hoping to get closer to 100 by the time we're done in 11 days or so. But uh, you know, it's it weighs on you, and especially when you have like I've done bigger projects where I've needed like you know twenty five hundred or three thousand dollars, and thankfully, thankfully because of my life situation, I've been able to lower that. But even but in those days, I was like every day was a stressor. Every day was, am I going to get a little closer? Am I going to get closer to the goal? Am I going to you know am I going to make it today? Will I stay there? Is someone going to cancel? It's it's so stressful. So that's why I need these breaks between the kickstarters and uh, between the volumes because I it's just too much at times. Yeah, because it it's got to be intense when it's that full 30 days and you just might want to just like keep on like checking and checking waiting for it to tick up but because it, it, it makes me think of i think i've seen before some like kickstarters like sort of like me not like small not as small as this but as you said but not like huge but some medium where they get funded but like they only just like get funded and and, and then if you have like people dropping out or like if like shipping costs go up to your way or shipping so I suppose you can never be too sure. You can't just sort of rest. You have to keep like being sort of like prepared and poised and on edge to make sure that you're ready for whatever comes through. Yeah, because every Kickstarter is different. And, and as I was looking uh, through some past ones, I, I have this weird trend with Tokyo. And I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to continue it this time. But uh, like my very first one for Tokyo, we had over 100 backers, which made me ecstatic. Then the next one, we I think we got to like 98 and then we were back up over 100. Then we were back to 90. Then we were back up. Then we had, I think it was number five, we had like 113, which was like my biggest ever, 13, 14. And then for six, we dropped down to 90 again. And I'm like, I really like stopping this gap now. <laughs> and so now I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is the one we get back over 100. And maybe we will, maybe we won't. But, you know, it's, it's so hard to anticipate what's going to happen with Kickstarters because it's about timing. It's about how how the backers are doing with their financial situations. It's about who is going to pledge what amounts, and it's there's just so much that goes into it. So when you get funded, even if you didn't hit like a personal goal or a major stretch goal, you just you really just need to be happy because you've got your funding, and now you're going to get to make your comic or whatever else. Yeah, and it makes me interested when because kickstarting the first issue of a series or a one shot or anything like that is one thing but kickstarting the seventh issue of a series or any issue beyond the first when I mean, you've got to keep up that momentum especially this one that's been going on sort of every so often in the past few years have you had any particular tricks that you've noticed and like wanted to maintain to try and help keep that momentum and keep people invested in coming along even if it is like issue seven and just trying to like communicate to people that, that, that there are back issues available you can jump in and not like scare people off because they don't want to 
get invested in something that seven issues in? Well, yeah, that's a great question, Joe. Um, especially over time, you you absolutely want to uh, offer everything that you've made so far. So whether it was my the miniseries I did with Called Home or Tokyo, I have made sure that every issue is available in every single Kickstarter. And sometimes they don't see that. The, the viewers don't see that until they go into the Kickstarter. So that's why with a TBD number seven, I made sure to put in our uh, little mini description back issues available so that they wouldn't be scared off immediately. And then for the rewards, I made sure to have multiple tiers where you can get all the issues that you want. Uh, I'm sorry, all, all the issues that you need to, to have the full story. So in this case, I have a $10 reward tier called the Tokyo Digital Collection, and you can get every single issue up, including number seven, for 10 bucks. So seven issues for 10 bucks, which isn't that bad. And there's also a physical version of that reward at the $30 tier. So if you prefer to read physical versions of the comics, there's your option. And I have that in every Kickstarter. I make sure that it's cheap enough uh, for people to get without, you know, breaking the bank and whatnot. And that's important to me because I want to, I'm always open to getting new readers because that next, the potential new reader could be one that's a lifelong fan if they like this, if they like the story. So it's, it's very important. And I know a lot of other people do this, but it's very important to have those rewards to help people catch up so that they're not scared away. Like, oh, this is a great look anime comic, but it's at issue seven. I haven't even read issue one. Well, you have, you have options to get issue one and two and three and all of them. So I try and do my best with that. Yeah, because I had the co-writers of this Kickstarter called Mechaton on a couple of months ago, and they were kickstarting issues 4 and 5, and I think it, it was just sort of going along okay, but I think they were maybe getting a bit nervous, so they changed the title from, like, 4 and 5 to 1, 2, 5, to sort of, like, properly trying to emphasise that. I don't know, I suppose it, it might be hard to tell how, how that helped, if at all, unless you, like, maybe if you inspected the analytics but it's definitely something interesting to, to think about and consider yeah i have seen that uh, recently um i'm not opposed to doing that i might do it for number eight because it's the end of the volume um you know i'm, I'm not i'm not opposed to trying that i mean that's again i put back issues available in the subtext but if people just see number seven and don't understand what back issue is that that could help too um there's always there's always a new way of, of thinking about things and trying things and so if that worked for mechaton then awesome i don't know if it would work for me i, I definitely would be up for trying maybe i will in the last few days just to see if i can you know bring in some extra viewers who knows um but that, that's another thing about kickstarter is that you you have to keep trying new options new ideas new promotions like uh for example kickstarter in general is the pre-launch page you know that wasn't mm, there yeah. that wasn't there originally but it's interesting there. yeah and, and i know a lot of people including myself and some dear friends of mine who's gonna be launching a kickstarter soon they were like it was you know get as many people in the pre-launch page as possible so that you know that at minimum you're gonna have these this amount of backers and so for me with number uh seven i think i got close to 35 backers and sure enough i had like 30 within the first few days which is great and now i'm almost double that uh, a friend of mine has like over 100 right now so he's hoping that you know if they pledge enough they can get funded within the first week which would be great for him the but that, that wasn't an option when i was doing like my very first kickstarters that was something that grew over time and now it's a very important thing so you can say hey i got this kickstarter coming up you know here's the pre-launch page sign up for you so you don't forget and even if they don't pledge in like the first week they'll remember and they'll get notifications about it up until the kickstarter ends so that they don't forget so between that and changing the titles the rewards there's always a new way to try and do something to bring in more backers more people etc cetera, etc cetera. right yeah 
So, do you want to uh, say a bit about the actual like premise of the, the comic, and then we can talk a bit more specifically about it? Sure. Uh, so, Tokyo Blade Detectives is, like I said, an anime-style comic. It is my uh, love letter to everything anime, including the, the ones that I grew up on and the ones I'm still watching now. It's about Japan 200 years into the future. The country has been burned to the ground by war, rebuilt with technology, and to try and stem the madness... They make a law that no one can break. No guns allowed. And that creates a power vacuum. So using their incredible technology, they make laser swords. And all of a sudden, five factions rise up to try and overthrow the government, throwing Tokyo into perpetual chaos. And the people, the civilians, are are caught in the middle of it. One of them is a 16-year-old detective named Miko, who is going to get a case in the first arc, as you know, that uh, changes everything. It sets up everything that's going to happen in the entire series by just this one case. And it's a really fun action oriented series, but it's also got a lot of character development and a heart and a witty dialogue. Uh, like I said, it, it's my ref- my love layer to anime and how I've always viewed the, the concept of it. There's references to Pokemon, Digimon, anim- uh, Naruto. Uh, I even have a, a wrestling reference via one of the Japanese Joshis that are that's in WWE because I, I had totally had a crush on her. Uh, you know, I, any kind of reference I can throw in, I, I put it in there because I love Japan and I love anime that much. So it's just this really fun time, and the second arcs really come out well. In fact, just to tease you, Joe, in this in this issue, we have the Akira slide. Uh, so that's the the legendary motorcycle slide from the. Equally legendary anime movie, which I only saw last year. I know that kind of betrays my anime nerd card. I only got to see Akira last year, but it was worth it. It was worth it, despite it being incredibly dark. Uh, so I, I just love this 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 series. It's I feel it's one of the best I've ever done. I've got a really good team with a Lombavon on art. I've had a, a cavalcade of editors over the seven issues. Very good friends of mine. So. I look forward to people trying it out, and I know you read it. You said you enjoyed it, and that really makes me happy, Joe. Yeah, it was really fun to get to check out the the first volume, the first four issues, as I mentioned at the beginning, and then the first two issues of the second arc. And I love the when you well, so first of all, that the name Tokyo Blade Detectives is like such a like fun name. I feel like it rolls off the tongue. It feels like. It, it just feels like really cool. You, you can sort of see that as something that's like cool yet like efficient and handy. And I remember reading the first issue because you always sort of wonder like where these names come from. And then you actually see like the name like Tokyo Bay Detectives on there, like building or whatever. And I was like, oh, that that's, that's makes sense. Pretty simple. Makes sense. Do you want do you want to know the real origins of the name? Absolutely. Okay. And I, I swear to you and our viewers that this is 100% true. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. I got the name from a Facebook meme. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I, I did. I really did. So, you know those uh, memes that you see on, like, Facebook or Twitter where it's, like, insert these letters and get a name for something? Yeah. Okay. So, I was on Facebook, like, years ago. And the 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 meme was, what's your anime title? And I'm like, ah, uh-huh, yeah. So, I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. This is This would be fun. So it was first letter of your first name, T, uh, first letter of your last name, B, and then last letter of your first name, D. So Tokyo Blade Detectives. Now, this didn't start the comic. This was just the name. And at the time, the first Deadpool movie had like just come out or whatever. So it was like 2016, 2017. And uh, 
there's a line from the movie where Weasel goes, Deadpool sounds like a franchise. So I too liked the name. So right. and, yeah. it, and it rolled off the tongue. Like you said, I was an excellent uh, descriptor of it. And so I'm like, Tokyo, so I typed in the comments, Tokyo Blade Detectives, sounds like a franchise. Hit enter, clicked off the page, and that was it. I was done. I was not going to touch this thing. I was not doing anything with it. I went on with my day. So a couple hours later, I come back on and I and I, I go to Facebook and I have a notification. It says, you've got a reply from so-and-so. I'm like, I don't know that name you know i'm very aware of who replies to me more often than not and so i click on it and it's the facebook meme and it goes and the reply goes hey that does sound like a franchise you should see what you can do with it and i'm like okay so i start thinking of the name okay so tokyo that's easy enough that's in japan so you know and again anime detectives modern day mystery oriented in parts so that's fine and then it was blade that was throwing me off why does a detective in modern day or potentially futuristic japan need a blade versus a gun because everyone's because like all many 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 animes have their futuristic guns and or magic or something like that so like why would you need a sword if you can have a gun or that and then the i then the tagline came in in a land where guns are outlawed only the blade can rule and i was like oh so and right then that was the moment joe when the floodgates of my mind opened and everything rushed through and i started thinking of like the factions and miko and michio my main characters and the lasers laser shorts and everything else And i literally had to write down all the ideas i had so i couldn't forget them and it was just like this onslaught. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And then I thought about the comic projects that I had. I'm like, oh crap, I have to wait for a while to finish this. But <laughs> that is the that is the secret origin of Tokyo Play Detectives. Thank you, Facebook. You are good for something. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that that's really cool. It reminds me of because I just sort of write I'm writing like a story for fun. It's like a prose story, and I came across something once where it was like, what's your superhero name? And once I worked it out, I was like, actually, that, that sounds really cool. It'd be a really cool thing for, for that story. So then I've just like, like fitted it in since then. So, it, it, I mean, yeah, it's, inspiration always comes from somewhere. So it's cool when you can have things like that and like actually implement them in. And the, the whole idea of the like blades like taking the place of, of guns and not even like normal blades that you might see where it's just sort of like metal, but... Or, like more akin to originate to like lightsabers, but obviously not lightsabers. Yeah, I can't it, say it lightsabers. Feels, Copyrighted. Yeah, it's I like can't say it. le- legally distinct. Um, where oh yeah, it it feels silly, but not in because like silly sometimes has a negative connotation, but like silly in like a good way where it's like really like a lot of fun and it's like a fun premise to like build the story off of. Yeah, and one thing I want to make clear to to the viewers, and this is a question I get asked very often at Comic Cons, is you know where do you get the inspiration for your stories? And the answer is everywhere. Like I, again, I, I got a my one of my longest running series. It's my second longest running series. Uh, is based off of a Facebook meme. I wouldn't have been able to predict <laughs> that before. I mean, come on. Uh, and to lightly touch on my other series, my my superhero ones was literally you know. My, me asking myself what would my superhero story be uh my first my, my mini series home was basically i had this big big idea for a comic to to submit to a publisher and they go hey it can't be this this or this it has to be five issues or less i'm like well crap so i literally took this grand idea and like shortened it and i came up with home which is 
I feel one of my best series still. Uh, 10,000 Miles, my Disney Pixar graphic novel. Uh, that one came, I kid you not, from an episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, there's a line in Scooby-Doo where they're, the gang is lost, because of course they are. And they find this sign. It's, a, it's like one of those wooden arrow signs, but it's pointed down. So Fred goes to Shaggy and goes, hey, Shaggy, what's that sign say? And Shaggy goes, like, it says China, 10,000 miles that away. And I, I never forgot that joke. And so, uh, and for the record, no, to go from America to China straight through the earth is not 10,000 miles. It's actually 7,500. But you can't go through the course. You have to go around. That's the extra 2,500. Uh, see, I do science and research. But, uh, <laughs> but like, that's, that's another one. And then, uh, like I said, I wrote, I've written some Sherlock Holmes novels. That's just because I love the character. I'm like, well, what if Sherlock Holmes did this, this, or this? The, uh, the one the upcoming comics I, I'm going to work on, the, the mystery one I teased earlier, that was because I'm like, ooh, I, I, I watched this mystery show called Only Murders in the Building, and I love it. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if it was like this and this and this? I'm like, okay, I can write that. And I did. And it's going to be like a 10 part or five-part miniseries too. And it just goes on from there. I'm like, the ideas come from everywhere. The only question is, can you take the ideas and run with them? And that's what I like to encourage people, including having multiple rewards on my Kickstarter to help people make comics because I want to help them on their journey. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's, it's cool because you just, yeah, because I suppose it, it sort of speaks to the idea that of the, the Facebook meme and this, this it's somewhat silly in a good way nature of it where people are expecting like a really like deep answer and, and sometimes the answer is just a scooby-doo episode or a facebook meme and sometimes it is something like cool like oh akira but other, it's not always like that yeah it, again inspiration can come from anywhere and if you look at some like the great authors of our time uh like J.R.R. token he uh he didn't just co- randomly come up with the idea of lord of the rings he he wrote the first line of the hobbit and he really liked it and he kept going like he just wrote a hole, in a hole in the ground lives a hobbit, but it wasn't a dirty hole, or you know, and so on and so forth. And he's just like, you know, this is actually really good. So he kept writing, and then he mm. built that craft world. And uh, I know an, another author; they were uh, still trying to figure out their series, and they were on a train, and they, for whatever reason, like saw their main character in like a I don't want to say hallucination, but like call it's called a vision. But like walking down, they could see like the outfit, the hair, the feel of what it was, and then they ran with that. So if you get the idea, you know, write it down, run with it, see if you can develop it. And it doesn't. If you say, "Oh, it sounds too much like this," that's okay. There are plenty of there are plenty of series out there that are references or you know compared to other great series. The question is, can you make it your own? So like I I have references to all sorts of anime, but it's my own series, and I know I've made it different enough to have fun with it. I, my uh, home series has been called a version of Wizard of Oz, which is not inaccurate, but I have different twists in it to make it fun and unique and clever. So the and sometimes being compared to that will actually get you sales because like oh I love Wizard of Oz I might try this out or oh I love anime let me see what yours is like oh I love Disney Pixar sto- stories you know let's see if your let's see what yours is like it's it it's fine to have that comparison as long as it's still your story your characters and you having fun while you write it yeah and so on that sort of thread and train of thought when on along the timeline of you coming up with the name through the Facebook meme and sort of the development of the comic and all that. When did the different factions and the uh, the ideas for those come into it? Because I thought that was quite cool within the story, how like distinct they were in terms of their like, look and their like functionality within the story. 
the yeah, that the the five factions were easily one of the first things I thought of. I mean, the first thing. Nice. Yeah, I know, right? It was I guess that was the floodgates. The floodgates just came pouring in, and I'm like, okay, I gotta. Okay, I got laser swords. That was that was easy enough to think about. And then I was like, okay, who's my main character? So I was thinking like, you know, angsty teen protagonist. That's Miko. The, the, of course, her uh, father figure, even though she doesn't like him that much. And Michio, you know, the the wise old man that we always have to have. But uh, then I was like, okay, well, who's the threat? There's got to be a lot of threats here. And I wanted the idea. I really like the idea of there just being total chaos in Tokyo. And so the five factions just came out because. I wanted a variety of threats. I wanted them to be like the city to never feel safe because there's always someone out there. But I didn't just want it to be generic threats. I wanted it to be each one is special. So uh, the Empress, who is actually based off of uh, the wrestler Asuka from WWE, she she's like a gang leader. She as a cult of personality, she happily brings people into the fold and she wants to be the first female leader of Japan. She feels it's her destiny and she's going to kill anyone who gets in her way. Then you have the, the Tao, which is based off Taoism, which is, which is relevant in Japan. I made sure to look it up. It started in China, went to Japan and they are the religious sect. They want to rebuild Japan in a more balanced, faithful way and are willing to use technology to make themselves pure mystical. It's all. Ma it's not magic though. It's all technology. They just make it look magical, and that's how they wow people. Then you have uh, the Nine Tails, who we're dealing with in the second volume. They're the assassins. They're the ones who are. They are the best killers in the world, pretty much. And they are. There are only nine of them, which is why they are the best, because they no one can compare to their skill. Well, very few. And they, if they get hired, they are going to kill the target. It's. It's in their creed. This is the way. <laughs> Uh, then you have the yokai. Yeah, I know. I could. I had. To, I couldn't resist. Uh, then you have the yokai, who I call the terrorists. They are the ones who inspire the chaos. They they are one of the few factions that don't use swords. They just use their technology to scare the crap out of people and overwhelm you with numbers because they have nothing better to do than just make you feel unsafe. And then finally, you have the Ronin, who I don't want to go too much into because they play a big part in the first arc. But they are the fallen samurai who have a vision for Japan. And they will do whatever it takes to get their vision fulfilled because they believe that they are in the right no matter what, and anyone else can just die. So it, these five very distinct ones, each one referencing a different aspect of Japan, like the yokai are, of course, the Japanese monsters of myth. Uh, the Ronin are, you know, samurais without masters, and so on and so forth. Uh, Nine Tails reference to Naruto and the Nine Tailed Beast. So I wanted each one to have a distinct tie to Japan, while also having a different motivation, a different kind of leader, a different structure. So that when we meet them, it's like, okay, this is going to be a different kind of story because they're involved. Or no, no, these guys are here. We're going to we're in for a big scrap now, and it just goes on from there. And it gives me a lot of variety of stories and what I can do. Yeah, because within the, the... Even like the first arc alone, you sort of cover the various different like uses for them, and it is cool how it's all in incorporated into this like story. That there's like threads that sort of gradually get unveiled that come out of it, where you realise it's all connected. Oh yes, that, that I was, as I was saying that I realised I was describing something that I remember you seeing in the one of the campaigns when you you were saying things about how you wanted to. Yeah, one thing I've strived for within Tokyo Base Detective is to give a kind of six degrees feel where everyone is connected to someone who heavily affects someone else. Yeah. So that, that's always cool. Yeah, that was inspired uh, very early on by uh, by another anime, ironically enough, and that was a full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, 
one of the all-time great animes, in my opinion. And in that series, everything is connected. Even if you don't realize it at first, everyone you meet, pretty much, is important to the not just the short arc, but the long game. Like everyone plays a role. And even the characters that you feel like, oh, they're going to die. Oh, they're going to, you know, are they really that necessary? As the grander story with Father and the Seven Deadly Sins start to play out, they all have a role. Even the care, like there was a there was a girl I can't remember her name, but they, like you meet her in like the first five episodes, and Alphonse kind of leaves her disillusioned in in a bad way. Uh, not that he was in the wrong or anything, but I'm like, okay, that was interesting. You know, is is, is am I ever going to see her again? And she, then she shows up as, in a certain role later on. It's like, oh, okay, so he, his effect did work on her, and that was good. And I and I love that idea of everything is connected and everything builds or teases to something else so that it plays out later on. And that's my structure that I have with this comic in that I know certain things that's going to happen like issue 25, issue 50. I know where certain characters are going to end up, who's going to live, who's going to die and whatnot. And I love teasing that even if you don't realize there's a tease going on. For example, in issue two, when we meet the Empress, she teases someone in the in the issue and they're go- they're right about to show up but you wouldn't remember that unless you go back and you read like oh yeah he she did say that about this character and that's going to make it all the more fun when they uh they drop in so uh, i i love that idea of like you know wheels within wheels six degrees of separation whatever you want to call it because it makes it feel like it's less random and it's all planned and it's going to deliver some big shocks and surprises when the time comes. Yeah, it's cool when you can build up that universe so you, you can have your own versions of, like, cliffhangers, which people are sort of, like, actually understand what they mean and they actually have, like, weight to them. Because, of course, w- when you're creating your own thing, you have to, like, build it all up to be able to get to that point. So, yeah, it, it, I it, yeah when you say that things will, like, reference things in, like, earlier issues, it's cool to be able to, like, juggle those different, like, threads and bring them back. It, it reminds me of, this is on, like, a much larger scale, but at, one of, like, the best ways that I've seen it done is, like, Robert Kirkman, who's, of course, like, a legend, with something like Invincible, where there'll be, like, one issue, and then the, the focus will shift, and then, like, 50 issues later, it'll be like, hey, remember that one issue? Well, yeah. we're we're we're, we're, to, yeah, we're returning to that thread. I hope you enjoy. Do you remember it? Like, okay, sure. Yeah, that's he. He's really good at that. Um, I mentioned uh, Full Metal Alchemist. That was another good one. Um, and my my guy, the guy who I was also referencing, who I I, I admired was Jonathan Hickman. He is another guy in comics, especially with Marvel comics, where he did wheels within wheels and he always built up to something greater, something grander and it made for a lot of fun. And so I, I just like that idea of, you know, you have to, you know, you'll read, you'll read this and you're like, Oh, that's cool. You know? And then like a few issues down, you'll forget that one line that the Empress said. And then all of a sudden, boom, this person shows up and it's like, Oh, that's what they meant. Oh, okay. This is, this is interesting. And now you want to see where that leads you. And it's that sense of like joy and anticipation that, uh, it's going to be fun. And the, not to spoil anything, but the, the, the end of issue number four with that reveal, the very big reveal, that's going to be building for a while. And then when things finally unfold, it's going to be a shock about what, what happens. So, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm already planning like many issues down the line, so I can't wait to eventually get there. Yeah. And so that sort of leads into a question that I thought of as, do you have a... Sp- like a specific amount of issues in mind. I know, obviously, with Kickstarter, it's 
not necessarily guaranteed, but if you, like, like in an ideal world, you have, like, a, maybe not an exact amount of issues, but, like, roughly an amount of ideas, you, you know, I suppose, or I suppose it goes back to what you said right at the beginning about just writing as long as you have ideas, but anything specifically for this series? Honestly, not yet, because I really do have a lot that I want to talk, or not just talk about, but, like, show in this, because given how I've set up Japan, uh, and we're only in Japan, so I, I might in the future want to open it up to the world and say, you know, because their big question that I have not revealed yet is why is the rest of the world not like Japan or why hasn't Japan referenced the rest of the world? Uh, I've been very careful about that. And there is a reason why Japan has this kind of, let's just say, isolationist feel right now. It's There's a reason for it. And we'll get to it later on. And another question that people have asked me is, well, how do does the government enforce the no guns law? There's a reason. And it's big. And we're going to unveil it eventually. So there's so much that there's so much potential for what we can do and so many unique ways to expand the world. In fact, in this current issue, number seven, I drop a line that is a reference to another group that's going to show up way down the line. Um, mm. But it's that's one I needed to I wanted to reference right now so that it's in people's minds like, oh, what did they mean by that? Why did why did this person react the way they did? You know, there's there's so much potential in this version of Tokyo now. Do I think I could go 100 issues? Probably. Could I go beyond that? Maybe. But uh, this is one where I know definitively I could probably go 50 very easily. Anything beyond that will just have to depend on, you know, where I am in life and all that. But I'm going to keep going until I feel this anime has run its course. And I would love that. That's the other reason I want to keep doing issues is that I would love for this to actually become an anime. <laughs> and if you uh, saw the Kickstarter, you'll know we... Uh, where we have storyboards for a trailer we're trying to do to help boost views on the the comic and uh we, we've got things in the works to help develop that so you know just trying anything and everything to get people to check out the the series yeah that'd be really cool because it, it's always cool when kickstarters can always make that like jump in it and that difference to like make them like stand out and like what is special about like this specific Kickstarter, even if the comic is is cool, it's always fun to see any like the extra elements to it here. And here it's obviously like the massive like man- manga and anime influence. And then if that, if that did sort of end up as an anime, then that that would be really something. Because like looking at the the storyboards, I, I mean, especially within like, the comic itself, it's already quite a fun and like dynamic and vibrant art style. Like it's like very like bright, which is. Or is something that was fun to read, but yeah, yeah. No, I I know what you're going for there. Uh, that was actually one of the other reasons that it took a while for Tokyo to get made because once I had the time, I had to find the right artist, and it took a while to find somebody who I felt a could just fit my budget and b could deliver the anime style that I was that I was going for. And I almost went to my go-to guy, Alex Garcia, who who uh, does many of my comic series, but I didn't want to overload him. And so when another guy came up, Lon Bouvant, uh, I tried him out. I'm like, yeah, this guy's, I think he's got it. So let's let's keep going with that. And he's done he's done every issue outside the covers. Alex has done those, but uh, the style was very important to me because I wanted this to scream, "This is an anime comic." You are you're gonna read this and think, okay, this is anime to the core, and it absolutely is. And 
Uh, a lot of sent some really great pages in this issue, including the Akira slide that I can't wait to show off to people. So uh, each issue, I try and do something you know visually stunning, visually fun, visually creative, and Lom crushes it like every time. Whether it's the fight scenes, whether it's uh, Miko showing off her butterfly wings, and or the yokai and their their smoke screen tech, it's really really clever. So. I look forward to showing off what we have in mind next, and there's big things in the future for sure. Nice. Yeah, and uh, I, I, there was something I, I was going to say in, in response to the previous thread that I forgot as soon as you stopped talking, but it, it, I think it's always fun when, to the point about what might be happening outside of Japan, makes me think of, like, the, the Hunger Games is good. It's, it's like a good story, it's an like, interesting book series. Sometimes I do wonder. It's like, well, yeah, it, it is a good series, but I do wonder like, what's happening like outside of Pan Am, outside of America. Like, what's happening in the the, the dystopian future in the Hunger Games and say England, where I am, or or whatever. It, it does make you think sometimes, even if it's n- nothing more than just like a thought experiment. Yeah, yeah, we we will address it eventually, and I have a really clever way of. Not just showing off why Japan is what it is, but uh, showing that there are people from Japan in other parts of the world. It's just they're not doing the things that you think that they're doing. So it's it's going to be a fun reveal when that time comes. Yeah. So how did you connect with the creative team? Uh, presumably it was over the internet somehow, but yes. that's always fun to hear about. Well, it's it, I, I've had the luxury and slightly misfortune, of using various sites to try and connect with people over the years. There's a site that I used to love using called CG Hub, and then that went defunct. Then uh, conceptart.org, before that went defunct. And now I use Facebook and Twitter where I can, but I have to be careful because bots are everywhere. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, I like. I seriously, if you put anything about a job on, uh, like a comic art job or animation job, you get all these freaking bots it's like i could do an animation for you then you look at their handle and it's like nfts and you know just a thousand a thousand retweets of stuff that have nothing to do with animation i'm just like yeah you're not real so uh but with lom i met him on a facebook group that i have trusted to get good people in the past and uh i just made a post and said hey here's i got a paid job who's interested and i got i would get like a dozens of replies because it's a very popular group and I just I tested him out, and it worked out. So sometimes it's something as simple as that, and then other times it's like a reference. I, I'm for my upcoming series. I'm waiting on a reference from a friend to uh, message me, and I'll see if they work out. And I've also been willing to look at like comic cons and go through Artist Alley and say, you know, hey, are you interested? Do you do comic art and you know stuff like that? And it's not the easiest to do because you don't know them as well as you want to, but or you, and you can't immediately see the portfolio outside of what's on their table. But th- there's so many ways to try and connect with people and artists. Like Lom's in Vietnam, and yet huh. we, we work just fine. And I was tr- I was doing something with a guy from Brazil not too long ago. Uh, I've worked with someone from Laos. Alex Garcia is in Mexico. Uh, I've worked with a few people in the U.S. But you know you can't you can't restrict yourself because it's like because you never know where the, where the, where the talent's going to be and where how it's going to find you. So you just throw out a wide net and see. Who's the worthy catch? Well, yeah, exactly, and that's kind of the great thing about the internet these days, for all its faults and for better or worse, is that you don't really have to worry about geographical location within reason, as long as you can work out communication through like time zones and there isn't any sort of significant language barrier. Then it, it is fun when you can 
have these creators connecting from like all across the globe and I think that's something that's always fun and highlighted by these like Kickstarter conversations where you have this like community of sort of indie creators that aren't like working for the big leagues or they're not working on Amazing Spider-Man or whatever but there are just like so many people waiting to be like hired by like a writer or like writers writing to like get artists and there's like so many people that just like want to make cool comics so yeah and those are the, those are the people I honestly like I like looking for is the ones who yeah you know they want to just make a really cool comic and you know who doesn't want to work with that and many times those those are the people who I will work with for a very long time like with Alex or with Lom and I to try and you know spread the wealth if you will I always I often try to look for new artists to help me on new comics like with the upcoming one i mentioned earlier i'm trying to find a new artist for that if i do there's another anime comic sorry that i want to do and i won't hire long for that one because i want it to be different slightly different visually have a different kind of anime aesthetic and i just i want other people to say like hey i had the chance to make this comic or this miniseries or this one shot and I, I i want to give them that opportunity because i have all these ideas and i know that they can be done in so many different styles so why not give it to someone who has that style and you know wants that opportunity and isn't afraid to you know take a chance and have some fun and you know endure a kickstarter with me <laughs> thanks yeah before we wrap up you've still mentioned the rewards briefly but do you want to just run through them so people know what to expect and what they can go for if they hopefully decide to check out the kickstarter yes uh so as i mentioned earlier if you are new to the series we have multiple rewards for you to get caught up, including a $10 digital reward tier and a $30 physical reward tier. And we do ship those internationally, should you be interested. Um, if you are if you want to read basically all the comics I have ever made, we have digital and physical reward tiers for that, ranging from $15 to $150. If you want to get drawn into the comic, we have a $50 reward tier for that. And I warn you, we only have a few slots left, so you might want to get in on it while the getting's good uh if you just want the comic the uh like the latest issue we offer that for three dollars if you want a physical copy we offer that for 10 and if you want to if you want help making comics i have a 25 dollars reward tier where i will look over your comic script and give you some advice on like not just the plot but formatting and you know how to maybe set it up for the next issue or if it's a one shot make sure that it feels like i have a satisfying conclusion or we have a 75 dollar tier where uh, i will help you in basically every step of making the comic from getting it written to finding an artist if you want to do a, a kickstarter i'll help you with that if you want to get set up on a place like global comics i'll help you with that so that you can not just make it but have it ready for people to check out and read or help fund so like i said because i want to make i want to pa pass it forward and help people make comics that they've been wanting to make for a while. And we have other rewards uh, inter interwoven within them. So if you can only and if you can only pledge like a dollar, you just want to support me. We have that option, and we would really appreciate that. Or if you can only pledge like a few bucks, just because you want like one issue, that's fine. We appreciate that too. Every every pledge counts. Every backer counts, and we are grateful to anyone who wants to support us. And if you can't pledge. Just share it around. Share this podcast, not just to help me, but to help Joe. Or share around the Kickstarter. Say like, hey, you know, I think if you're an anime person, go check this out. Um, a share helps, and it's free. So we appreciate anyone who checks out the Kickstarter. 
And if you have questions, leave a comment on the Kickstarter. I'll happily answer. And we, I hope you'll give it a chance. It's a really fun comic. I really do love this series. I hope this podcast has conveyed that. Uh, there's a lot of story, a lot of great characters, great action. Again, Lom really kills it with the choreography. And we got a lot of fun surprises and teases coming up. So I hope you'll give it a chance. And that's all I can ask of you. Thanks. And yeah, do you want to maybe tell people where they can find you online? Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Guardians underscore comic. Uh, I'm on Global Comics. Look up Black Magic Wolf Productions, which is my uh, brand, my brand, if you will. Uh, we have most of my comics on there. Uh, if you're interested in like a mystery noir kind of series, I have a book called Five Bullets, Six Men up on Source Point Press. Uh, that's a very respected publisher. And uh, Amazon has most of my books, including my Sherlock Holmes mystery novels. We have them available in physical and Kindle most of the time. So check that out. Just look, look up uh, Todd Black, Sherlock Holmes, Grace Detective, or Guardians, Home, 10,000 Miles, Tokyo Blade Detectives, Volume 1. Uh, we, we, I offer most of my books in multiple places so that no matter the kind of reading you like to do, you can usually get it for a decent price. So I hope you'll check it out. Cool, yeah. Well, thank you for coming on this. It's been fun. I'm glad we as I said at the beginning, we got, we got to talk and arrange this. I, pr- I appreciate you having me on, Joe. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on this episode. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review the show five stars wherever you're listening. I would really appreciate it. If you want to keep up to date on new episodes, please subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email the show at joetalkscomics.gmail.com. Additionally, if you need any back issues, ratio variants, core variants, or just anything in general cool stuff to do with comics, you can check out the website for Beaders Theme Jackets, the comic book store in Fort Collins, Colorado, and most of these comics works at, and use Joe Loves Comics at checkout to get 15% off. I don't get any money for that, it's just a cool thing for you to use if you want to yeah, check out their site and if you see anything that you like. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Joe Talks Comics. And finally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Loves Comics, where we can continue talking comics. That's all for now, and I hope to see you next time. Bye.